Good afternoon. Welcome to Questions You Never Thought You Could Ask in Church. This is the podcast where we encourage you to text in your questions on God, on Christianity, on comparative religions, on the Bible, on Jesus, and how it interfaces with your life. We believe church is a place where people should be able to ask any question they have on these things, but simultaneously a place where people are often afraid to ask them. I don't know, maybe you've uh, you felt like you'd be judged if you would ask the questions you have about God in a local church. Maybe you feel like people would look at you like you're weird or you're crazy. Maybe you think your question is stupid. I guarantee you it is probably not. Um, um, maybe you think it's too simple or too complex that it's old school or, or so out of the box that who would even think that way. That's what this podcast is about. Text those questions into 815-314-0363. 815-314-0363. You can also join us at 216thenet. You can go right on to Facebook there. You can post your questions there. You can join us at Fellowship of Faith Facebook as well. Um, who do we got in the studio here today? Shout out to Ken Jones, who's producing, right? Thank you. Andrew Metcalf, as always, our anchor in the middle chair. Hello, everyone. He's and an anchor. He is an anchor. Yeah. You are the anchor. He's our solid rock. Hold, hold everything down. The solid rock. <laughs> you, you sink us deep, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got Steve uh, Wells back from Nebraska here yeah. this afternoon. Yeah. Steve, how was the trip? It was a good trip. It was short. You know, we didn't see a lot of people, just mainly family. But we got to go to like a, it's called uh, Rokaberry Farm, which, you know, it's supposed to be for families. And you go out there and you go, you know, they have all these uh, haunted houses and pumpkins and and little things for the kids. Yeah, to fall do. fest stuff up and down, right? But weird, weirdly enough, it's fifteen bucks to get in, right? Mm. So I mean, we had a family; all of our family was out there, and of course, my parents. There, it, it's just what they do; they pay for everyone. Mm-hmm. So the bill that for this thing is outrageous. But then you know, you get out there and you smell like uh, funnel cakes, yeah, and carameled apples, yeah, and the kettle corn, and kettle and corn, and yeah, corn yeah, yeah, right, everything. And so the kettle corn was like twelve bucks for two bags. You know, yeah. so six bucks, six dollars. Originally, it's seven dollars per bag, but you know, at a discount, they incentivized you get two, you. and it's twelve dollars. It cost them twenty three right. cents to make. Caramel apple was five dollars and fifty cents for an apple with some caramel. I mean, that's cr- so. Anyway, they say it's family friendly, but it's like who can afford this? Stuff, you know? <laughs> Especially in these times. I mean, inflation is skyrocket, right? So, what, what are you ninety in yeah. these times? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, just I got remember done, back in the day. I just got done telling you that I used to take a senior seniors to trip down to Branson. And so, <laughs> You're ready to be on the other side of that trip here, Steve. I, I, you know who's going to take I'm you? Looking forward to it. Who's gonna Andrew's going to take push me, me down to Branson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, welcome back, brother. Yeah, thanks. Good to have you back. I heard you got to do a lot of haircuts while you're down there, and. Uh, um, you know, the barber skills come ripping it, back out. I, did. I know that Barbie's grandmother, who is 93 years old, who literally runs this farm. I mean, she's it's 10, 12 acres. She's got horses. She's got uh, guineas, which fell what in is love. a guinea? What are guinea? Like guinea pigs? No, no. A guinea. Like, yeah. A guinea pig <laughs> farm. Is that, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> it's a bird that do nothing. There, There's no value. To is it like it. a meat eating bird or something? You don't do eat it. No. Okay. They just walk around in groups okay that's it. they're kind good of cool. protein chickens uh she's got some horses she's got a, a donkey a, a pony um and she literally does she she bales hay so guy came over and like put it in and when the you bales. say she bales hay like she she at 93 67 bales by herself <laughs> what 60 so i throw like four and like i'm done. tired you know this this woman is like incredible yeah so at 93 she listens to the show so maybe all right, grandma, shout out. This is Barbie's you. grandma, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Barbie's grandma. If you're listening here today, you yeah. are our idol She's out awesome. there. All right. Yeah, absolutely. I and I hope you like your hair, but text in if you don't. And we'll, uh, we'll rag Steve on it. She's gotten a lot of compliments on it. So from Steve, from, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> your hair looks great. <laughs> uh, let's go to a question. So I don't get hammered here. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we were talking all things worship. Uh, we've had a few questions come in regarding worship and song choice and why we do it and all those types of things. So uh, looking forward to discussing this. As and he looks at me, like you're going to get. Well, because some of these questions came in right before last week's episode. Uh, he's been saving this one. He's been compiling and the not questions. That, not that I didn't yeah. value Tina's opinion, but I uh-huh. feel like we should talk about it. Have a well, worship director on the show. Our worship director is here. Oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. By the way, all three of us are on staff at Fellowship of Faith. It's a church here in McHenry, Illinois. Steve uh, is our worship director. Andrew is our technical director. I'm the, the lead pastor there. Uh, you can check us out at fellowshipoffaith.org if you want to learn more about us. 
or, or honestly to catch just past shows. All of what you're listening to is a podcast. Mm -hmm. You don't have to just catch us live. You can catch us in recording and just, it's pretty easy. Go to the FOF plus page at fellowshipoffaith.org and you'll find it. Oh, and I will put a caveat out there. So we are having issues with our podcast host provider. Well, that's no So good. the last few episodes are not up there yet. They told me three to five days and they'll have our issue resolved and then we can continue. But so in three to five days. It's been about three on. weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we're working right. on getting past episodes up there. Hopefully Is it they'll a be censor- up there censorship issue? Are we doing things? <laughs> no. Are they blocking you, Andrew? Are we are not being censored. It's, it's strictly can old we, technology. Can so. we say this word today? Wow. He went to space. Yeah, that's why he's up there. Yeah, finally, right? He is he finally still there? The final no, because no, it's ten long- minutes. All right, wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. Okay. No one has any idea what you're talking about. Here. So, Captain Kirk. Well, no, no, you're pointing at something on the <laughs> right. wall. Well, right? that's so, right. It's the not mustache. everybody's viewing this. <laughs> not everybody's in the studio <laughs> in fact, with us here. The majority yeah. are viewing this. <laughs> so, in studio, we have this mustache that is kind of like a chalkboard, yeah. right? Yeah. And it says Captain Kirk. Yeah. Why did you put Captain Kirk on there today? Because he finally hit the final frontier. Yes. Yeah, I mean. Not not in not in the USS whatever he did he was. really though was he really he in, went with Bezos right or whatever he did he went with Bezos yeah. when did he launch I have no this idea. morning this, this morning, morning. Okay. Yeah. 90, okay 90 something years old so your grandma's throwing hay bales he's he's yeah. finally going to space yeah I mean yeah, what am I doing great. in my thirties yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I pulled a muscle earlier <laughs> <laughs> I need to up, up the ante a little bit. <laughs> Uh, uh, well, jumping into worship again, if you have any questions about uh, worship services, our worship services, worship church, in general, church, worship, in general. worship, I mean, why we do it, what it is, how it compares to how other religions do it, what's good, what's not, what's hopefully we'll tackle some of that it, today. Yeah. What so, is worship? What exactly all of it? Maybe or let's honestly, start out with that. Oh, any my. other question That's you have, you could text in any time, even though we're theming into worship today. And certainly, even if we don't answer your question here on the spot. Um, it goes into our inbox and we get to them eventually. So uh, we're not pushing you off. Send them in. But uh, yeah, what do you got, Andrew? I, I think let's start out with more of a general definition. So why do we worship and what is worship? Why very, worship very broad questions. Worship? But why do we worship? Does does God need our worship? Who needs to worship? Yeah. Kinda, does the word start worship there. derive from anything? You know, there's an old uh, there's an old kind of tongue in cheek thing um, where people say it's worth ship. And yeah, of course, I mean, there's derivatives out of Middle and Old English with Germanic roots that go back and it's not a direct translation from Greek or anything like that. But I mean, the concept is what's important here, mm-hmm. not so much the uh, the, the phenomes or, or, or the vocables or whatever you want to call it, the, the language itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. You want me to jump on in, Steve, or as our, as our uh, resident worship director? No, here, I think you want to lead the let's, way? let's lay the foundation. All right. Biblically, as far as how you've been. How you, when you read the Bible and you interpret the Bible, um, what you would probably, okay, so where are we starting from here? I think it's important to start from the idea of worship as a concept word more than a specific word you find, you, you, you look to find biblical proof texts for. Because worship is a word that encompasses a number of biblical motifs, pictures, and vocabulary um, that all subsume themselves under this umbrella of basically ascribing worth to something. So if you are going to value something, venerate something, or treat something, dare I say, even as more valuable than you, that I think is a good basic common definition of worship. Now, sociologists and historians will often equate it to sacrifice. Mm. So as you look at worship in ancient contexts, it always seems to be centered in sacrifice of some kind. And I think that actually also has some some drive for us today um, in understanding of the term of going, how, how does a sense of sacrificing something play into this concept that we call worship? It's certainly more than just singing songs that make you feel good or, or, or saying some, you know, fixed right prayers or something like that. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, it could be throwing a virgin off a cliff and do a pit of fire. Right? So, I, you know, I'm coming that's back. What, that's yeah. what they used to do. Well, you know, and you see that on like King Kong. Coming back from this conference <laughs> and had a, a couple of days to sit at the uh, the feet of uh, Rabbi Chad Foster. Uh, All right. Okay. And uh, he is actually a, um, a Lutheran pastor who went to Yeshiva, which is closest equivalent a Jewish seminary for rabbis, both here in the States and later in Jerusalem, trained under an Orthodox rabbi, mm. but as a believer in Jesus as the Messiah. So he's literally like wow. ordained yeah. in both 
camps. And, uh, you know, kind of fascinating to just hear um, a Jewish Christian's perspective on the Bible, which is a very Jewish book, of course, and to take a, a continued uh, a Jewish lens to interpreting um, the world of Jesus and things like that. But, uh, you, you know, you mentioned like throwing the virgins off cliffs and King Kong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he's been to Israel probably like 70 times besides having lived there for stretches of time. And he does tours and he was showing Caesarea Philippi. And uh, if you're unfamiliar with Caesarea Philippi, it's, it's one of these areas up in the north of Israel. And the the way he described it is, think about it like 8 Mile in Detroit. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of like on the outskirts of the place that you don't really want to be in Israel. It, it, it's, uh, um, it was known for paganism. It was known for all of the practices that went with paganism. It was kind of like the dark area that you didn't go at night, if I can put it that way. Yeah. And uh, there at Mount Hermon is um, a shrine to the god Pan. Uh, if you don't know the god Pan from Greek mythology, he's like that the half man, half goat, always playing the flute. Mm. You know, that kind of one, like yeah. Seder <laughs> yeah. or whatever. But uh, some of the interesting derivatives of Pan is that, um, like, like our word panic is based on his name because he was the god of terror, the god of fright. And there's this shrine literally next to this cave called the Gates of Hades. And it's just this big, dark cave, and it's a water source that comes out of it that feeds a tributary that eventually goes down into um, the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River, uh, you know, and so forth. Um, but what they would do is they would actually offer sacrifices there. And what you would do is you would sacrifice your baby to Hades. And the way you knew if the sacrifice worked is you would go to this big, deep, dark chasm and cave that this water source was coming out of, and you would throw your infant into it. And if your infant ended up downstream, well, then your sacrifice was rejected. You knew that Hades rejected your sacrifice. But if it was basically swallowed into this cave, they hoped and believed that the sacrifice was then accepted. And what's really fascinating about this is this is where Jesus takes his disciples. And in Matthew chapter 16, he goes, who do people say that I am? And you remember this at all? And maybe some of our listeners do. If you're unfamiliar with the story, you could look it up in Matthew 16. They go, well, some say that you're Jeremiah, who's one of the Old Testament prophets. Others say you're Elijah, which is another one of the Old Testament prophets. And others say you're one of the prophets. They're not going to kind of pin them down, you know? And Jesus is like, okay, you know, maybe reading between the lines here a little bit. You know, these are all good answers. Jesus certainly was a prophet. You could see that correspondence. But then he turns to this guy named Simon, one of his followers, and he says, who do you say that I am? And he goes, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And he goes, Simon bar Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah, this was not revealed to you by humanity, by flesh and blood is how translations will put it to you. But my, my father in heaven, and I tell you, you're now Peter, which is a way of just, it, it's, it's a word that means rock, right? You are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And he's saying it literally right in front of this huge rock. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it in front of this actual cave called the gates of Hades. Talking Mm -hmm. about in this place where people are sacrificing to these gods that they fear, even their most beloved and prized possession, if I can use that language, their own children. Jesus saying, this is exactly where I want you to build my church. You know, my church is not going to be built in safe sanctuaries. My church is not going to be built in the sanitized places of this world. My church is not going to be built in these protectionist little enclaves that are trying to disassociate or flee from the world. No, we are going to go right into Caesarea Philippi, into the Shrine of Pan, and the gates of hell themselves will not prevail. I mean, you get chills. You know, you kind of hear that. And, And it strikes me so much in this worship question about how people, I think everyone worships something. Whether it's God or not doesn't matter. Everyone worships something. Everyone is ascribing worth to something above them is what is most valuable in their life or what they fear most in their life or what they want most in their life. Those are all idols. Those are all what we elevate. And that's what religion is about is basically what do you believe about what's most important in life? And so everyone's worshiping something, Mm -hmm. right? And it's fascinating to me that what's so unique about Jesus and Christianity is that while we do worship in Christianity, the fundamental basis of the religion is not based in worship, our worship and what we're doing for God, but rather 
what God has done for us and the sacrifice that he has made for us. He turns the whole thing on its head. And so what we call worship is basically just like this, this gratitude, this, this response, this, this, this pledge of allegiance, if you will, just out of, you did that for me, mm-hmm. but it's cool yeah. kind of how worship is hovering in that. Right. So that's some of my take on it. Yeah. So kind of the right <laughs> of the, the sacrifice that they were making in that cave to Pan, that, that was their form of worship in order to get something from Pan or yeah. to not have something wrong. Or, Whereas we exactly. flipped it because we're worshiping out of Thanksgiving for what we've been given already. We're not trying to bribe God and yeah. we're not trying to buy God off, which yeah. is what most of pagan worship revolved around in Jesus. You're trying day. to please the gods. You're trying to, yeah. because whether we worship or not, doesn't change anything in, in Christianity, in, in Christianity, in terms of God's view of us, God's love for us, what God has done for us. Exactly. Because otherwise then it would become a, and it works. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Again, you're back into the old pagan system of trying to earn God's favor or buy him off or avert his wrath or get him and manipulate him to do something yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. So where are we at then? So what it was, so now we've got a foundation as far as maybe some of the, uh, the ideas of what worship can be, who we worship, what, what we worship, um, the many different varieties. I think we all tend to, to worship in our own lives, you know, like what are we putting first and foremost, even as Christians, you know, I, sometimes I, I look at that and I think, well, could it be Sunday morning sports, you know, with kids, you know, are you putting that over Christ? Are you putting food before Christ? So, I mean, what do you spend yourself in service to yeah. as your driving yeah. principle or highest good or, or that which defines you? Because a lot of people I find will worship things that they will say are not most important to mm-hmm. them, but their life would suggest otherwise or actions would suggest otherwise. Um, I've met many parents who feel victimized by extracurricular activities yeah, or, 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 or yeah. things like that, but they almost feel trapped the way that the pagans of old felt trapped by the capriciousness of the gods. And if I don't do this, some ill effect is going to come about as a result. So I better pay the proper homage, you know, mm-hmm. um, to, to have the happy family or to give my child every opportunity or to provide a college path or, or whatever it might be. And of course the same principle transfers to about a thousand and one other things right. Right. Um, that, that we can put that people spend their lives in service to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that I think I, I remember hearing you say, you know, for the first couple months after I had started working at the church was kind of your philosophy of worship and how the uh, fellowship of faith worships. And I think the term you used was ancient modern ancient worship. future ancient future yeah worship. and that, yeah. that's a nod to robert weber who i'll give a shout out and by the way because this has been this has been a thorn in my mind since we started uh ver the skype is the old english that we get our english word worship ver the skype ver the skype and of course w's make a v sound in german oh, sure. of english course is a very germanic yeah. language of course i mean sorry i say that like <laughs> no but like you know like you've heard of a wagner opera i mean no one goes it's a wagner opera or, well like my last name vels <laughs> Vels, yeah, right. We're here with Steve Vels in the house. <laughs> it's actually German Herr Vels, Mister Mister Wells. Yeah, but yeah, I took four years of German in high school, and you can still go ja nine. And right? then get this, I took four years of German because I thought, well, that's that's my ancestry. Yeah. So then I take the ancestry. I'm not German. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? I'm English. Come up, you're English. Yeah. I'm English. <laughs> Oh, now what do I take? <laughs> wasted four years. I took two years of Spanish and barely passed. It was so. a horrible language. <laughs> ah, I, hard to pronounce. The only thing worse than German is French. My daughter took French, oui. and she we, oui, as you say, and so she's she's singing these songs because singing, you know, helps you learn and mm-hmm. you and bet. You bet. just the the way that it sounds and. It's a very pompous language, I think. It mm. sounds, it comes off that way. Maybe that's just because I'm, I'm thinking of the French. And if you're in France right Steve now, Steve Vels is making enemies in Paris as we're, we speak. Yeah. We're, we're really going to see our, our numbers drop <laughs> yeah, in France. We appreciate all the listeners out there. The I love friends. you, France. French fries, French toast. We appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, anywho, sorry. <laughs> so ancient, back to the ancient future worship. Yeah. Ancient future worship. So, so. 
one of the things that I think gets missed by a lot of people who've grown up in church environments, especially in denominational or liturgical church environments, is there's always a tendency to elevate the traditions over the word of God. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we kind of know God by what we do. Most people do. And, And so if church is the experience of what we do, that almost starts to take on uh, like a sacrosanct value is like, we have to do this. It has to follow this order. I have to follow these things often because well, some of the same pagan reasons of fear underneath. Mm-hmm. And dare but I like, say that can become an idol. In and absolutely. Your worship absolutely. can become an idol. You can worship worship instead of worshiping God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I would, I would yeah. go even when I've seen extremes to where I realistically think some pastors that I know within the LCMS, which is the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, would would happily remove the Holy Spirit and put in Martin Luther as part of the Trinity. Yep. You see that kind of idolatry too. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. And uh, what I like about the Bible is it doesn't really prescribe a fixed method. It gives examples and certainly it'll say things like, like, praise the Lord, make music to him with the lyre and the tambourine and, you know, raise your hands in songs of praise and things like this, which is always fascinating because the things that literally says to do, churches generally don't, don't do. do. <laughs> and the things that leaves uh, yeah. to, to <clears throat> option tend to get enshrined. Mm-hmm. But even when it's commanding these specific things, far be it from me to walk away from the base meeting and go, you know, if it says raise your hands in prayer and holy worship, there is actually something to that act that is of value that maybe we would be better off if we followed literally. But I don't think it's so much laying down a prescription of thou must do this or else, but almost equivalent if we're like, we're going somewhere and like, you're pumped, you're jazzed for this. You know, you can't wait to go and you're going to get to be able to experience it, and we're waiting for it. And then someone says, Hey, come on, get in the car. Let's go. Right. Well, you can't tell me what to do. I mean, that, that, that's almost the wrong way to interpret right. the command being given because the command is an invitation to something of joy and expression and freedom even. And what I love about Christianity is there's so much diversity in worship, not only um, today, but even throughout history of how people would express their gratitude, thankfulness, and, and give their lives over in service to God. And sometimes the most clearest acts of worship do not look like worship at all. I'll quote Romans 12, 1, where Paul will say, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. That's word for word, at least out of NIV. Um, but in any translation, it's essentially the same. You giving your life, in obedience and service to God is what, what the New Testament says is the greatest act of worship you can make. It's, it's, it's a far more value than all the prayers you could say, all the offerings you can give, all the songs you can sing, all the sermons you can listen to, all the communion bread you can take. You know? Yeah. So, so, so does that mean you have to be a church worker? Because no. we're giving up our lives for service of God. No, no, and, and, I, and I actually do want to joke about, you know, I was going to joke and say something snarky back on that. Yeah. But but I'm not going to because, quite honestly, I think that's a myth a lot of people think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that has been propagated that you have to be in full-time vocational service to really oh, yeah. go to the right. next level yeah. with this. We're blessed with the opportunity, the three of us here, to give the best hours of our day and get paid for that, mm-hmm. you know, to help lead other people and the things of God. But anything that you're giving your life in service to is worship. I mean, Martin Luther actually wrote a lot about this. And and you can read even secular biographies on him where he's noted. It's called the doctrine of vocation. Mm -hmm. And what the doctrine of vocation is about is that all of us have a calling, Mm -hmm. meaning all of us have a calling from God, Um, not only a ministry to the body of Christ and a mission to the world, but a calling of what we're supposed to do in the context or, or sits and lay in our situation in life that we find ourselves in. And so, you know, the examples he would use is like, of course he's talking 16th century when um, there isn't birth control. And if you're a married woman, which most women were, you know, you're going to stay home and you're going to raise your kids. And that's a lot of diapers you're going through and a lot of things like that. But the greatest act of worship a, a mother could give is to change her son or daughter's diaper. You know, it seems like the most menial, dirty, 
um, unglorified tasks, certainly unvalued tasks by the world, right? Today, as well as then. And that is the highest act of worship you can do because you've been called to be a mom. And so to be able to do this dirty job, right, that blesses this child, that continues them on a path towards, that's worship to God. No one wants to change a diaper, right? That's a spiritual act of service. That's presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. And all of us are called to not just one thing, but multiple things. I mean, you go through your roles. First of all, I'm a dad. I'm a father, right? I'm a citizen. I'm a pastor, right? And then you can just kind of keep lining these things up. And I'm so much more than those things. But all of those bring with it responsibilities, callings. And then to spend your life above all in service to God. That's worship. Yeah. Because it's back to that sacrifice idea. You know, I'm giving in response to what you've given me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's very important. And I think it, it's something that can get, uh, I don't, I don't want to say misunderstood, but misconstrued a lot of the times of like, Oh, well you're a pastor or you work for a church. Like your work is better than, than mine is. Right. I know I used to think that like, Oh, well, okay. I'm working doing production, but is that the same as working for the church or doing something directly involved with the church? And it's more about your attitude and how you're doing it than the actual thing that you are doing. No, you, you can be a janitor. You can be in food service. You can mm-hmm. work in a factory. You can be a you know, skilled laborer. You can be a, um, you know, a white-collar exec. You can be an engineer. You can be a computer program. Do it with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind to the glory of God. And that is worship to him. It's funny <clears throat> when you say that because, <clears throat> excuse me, when we moved here, from Nebraska, you know, initially, like when we're out and about and we, we are talking with people and whatnot. Oh yeah. So, you know, we had have this conversation that's going on five, 10 minutes, just finding out about each other and whatnot. So Nebraska, like, why'd you move here? And then I tell them about the position that I'm in kind of mm-hmm. the backstory about <clears throat> how we as a, as a congregation called Dave and then Dave talked to me a couple of years later and, and, uh, they find out what, what I do. And then you can automatically see the wheels turning inside their head <laughs> to in there thinking, Oh, now he works. He's a, he's at, the, he's at a church. He's a worship yeah. pastor or, or whatever they the think that is, yeah, yeah, right. you know, and then you, you just start to see like, what did I say within the last five to 10 minutes that could have been offensive to this <laughs> yeah, guy? Yeah. Yeah. I know way to kill any conversation. Right. right? right. Just <laughs> yeah. yeah. Funny stuff. Um, so I think it, going from, cause you know, as a, your vocational act of uh, act of worship or your life as an act of worship. Now, can we switch gears a little bit more towards corporate worship? As and by as corporate worship, worship, meaning worshiping together with a, mm-hmm. a group of other people. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, I think in the, in the typical, you know, Lutheran tradition, a lot of um, traditions and denominations of Christian church, there's, you follow what's called a liturgy. Mm-hmm. So that's your you know, kind of order of service. What are the things that we're doing during this worship service? Can you kind of talk about that a little bit, how that came about, where that came from? So, so liturgy is an actually an English word, liturgia, if I can put it that way, and literally means service. Hmm. And the idea is not just like, here's the program we're following, though it gets used that way Mm -hmm. um, by extension, but literally here's our lives as an expression of sir. You know, we're giving ourselves in service back to you, God. And you do that in the action, but you also do that in the commitment, the expression that both ties it together, undergirds it, and leads the way. And so when we gather in churches or living rooms to sing songs and pray prayers, which are often called, and they're all liturgies, you know, even if you go to the most non-denominational, like low church kind of setting where it's, you know, we'll take Fellowship of Faith, where it's, you know, rock band and screens And, you know, you're dressed in jeans and you're not doing a lot of fixed formal stuff. It's still a liturgy. You're still doing elements and pieces, right? Yeah. So we don't have to get kind of weird about that term here. We can use it broadly in terms of what it means. And, um, you know, what it's meant to do is propel, solidify, and express the service to God we're giving by our life. The spiritual sacrifice we're giving to God by our life. I think one of the biggest errors that's creeped into the minds of most Christians today is they see worship as something for them. Mm -hmm. 
they come to worship services. You'll hear it expressed in a number of ways. And I hear this at FOF a lot, very, very well-intentioned and well-meaning. Um, I just get so charged when I get here every week or, or this fills my cup if they're yeah. a little bit older in generation. Um, or I, 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 I come here to get fed or I come here to get my batteries, you know, recharged to get through the week, which are, these are wonderful gifts. Mm -hmm. And, and at one plane, there is actually truth to it because when we gather in worship, we're actually receiving something from God. So I don't want to diminish or disqualify that. God is coming to us through his word. God is coming to us through his sacraments. God is pouring his spirit upon us in these moments, but it's not meant to end there. Just like we eat for the purpose of being able to move. We spiritually feed and receive for the purpose of being able to present ourselves as living sacrifices, but also get to express it there. You know, our praise and gratitude to God. I love, you know, the different ways the Bible will talk about this. It will talk about prostrating yourself, not prostrating yourself, but prostrating <laughs> yourself. The idea of you're lowering yourself before you know, anyone, but in our case, God, you know, it will talk about, um, um, on the opposite end about elevating, you know, standing up, lifting hands, being risen up instead of being knocked down by God. God does not knock us down. God does not rub our nose in the dirt. No, he invites us to stand up and put our hands high with almost a certain sense of boldness and audacity before him to call on his name. Uh, it's friends that God comes and we, God comes and bestows worth on us. We're not worthy, but God comes and bestows worth on us. And then we turn it right back around and give worth back to the one who's far more worthy than we ever did, who choose to humble himself in elevating us. It's this kind of cool circular thing that's meant to happen in not only life, but, but, but in my, but in corporate worship as a microcosm of it. Does yeah. it make sense? Yeah. All right. Absolutely. So I got a question. So if if worshiping, if we're living our best life for God and we're right, and that's worship, um, why do I feel so guilty not showing up to church on Sunday then? Because you're a mess. <laughs> Thanks. All right, folks, that's it for today. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. Right. I, you so, know, I, oh, I think yeah. there's a number of, of reasons for that. And let me, I, I can't give one answer to that, okay. but let me give a spread. Yeah. Um, and I think all of these have a certain sense of touch point in us all, but some are going to be more accented in certain people than others. Mm -hmm. um, I think at one fundamental point, we are programmed by nature to worship God. Mm -hmm. There is something intrinsically good in it. And we, in our hardwiring have a desire and drive to be in the image of God and be good. Um, even though we might rebel against it, reject, I mean, we're, we're conflicted people, but there is something stirring in us that is naturally bent to give thanks and praise and gratitude when we receive good things. And most specifically to God himself, who is worthy of all praise to be received. So I think that's, a, I think that is actually a big part of it, but I think another big part of it is conditioning and programming. Um, that many of us have grown up, if we've grown up in Christian environments, being told um, our duty is to be in church every Sunday, our mandate or our command or whatever it might be. And you grow up hearing that, even if you've rationalized yourself to other places, it's still kind of part of your conditioning mm -hmm. that sticks with us for a really long time. Sure. So I think that factors in you know, yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, when <clears throat> growing up, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't stand going to church. Couldn't stand it. And in fact, like in my only alternative was, you know, you had Saturday morning cartoons, which were the best because, you know, you sleep in, you grab your blanket, your parents aren't up yet. You grab a bowl of cereal and you go and, and you have like three, four hours straight, straight just, up, yeah. just yeah. alone time eating cereal, maybe two or three bowls, yeah. some toast. Cool. Yep. You, know? you got to yep. finish the box. But then Sunday rolls around. You're like, uh, I got to get up. And the only thing that, that I would, would look forward to before church would be Davy and Goliath. Oh, <laughs> the old play nation. Yeah. yeah. Which was horrible, but it wasn't at the same time. You yeah. know, I was like, okay, yeah. I'm going to do this. Is that why you got a Jeep? That is why I got a Jeep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
She's trying to relive the, uh, the, the glory days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was just like, ah, I dreaded it. But at the same time, if I didn't go, I did, to your point, I felt guilty. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, hmm, I should be there. But why? You know? And I, think, I knew what was there. It was it was stuff that I didn't interest me, people that didn't interest me, yeah. like a staleness. Yeah. And I think that's so common for most people. Even a smell. You know, like mm-hmm. at our particular church, it was a smaller they church. Do. They have certain smells. And the it's, basement, it's not even... you go in the basement, it's mothballs yeah. and, and <laughs> but it's casseroles. a combination of things. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, right. <laughs> Which is probably why I don't like any type of casserole or like anything with mayonnaise now, because it just brings me back to my childhood church days. <laughs> Mothball, green bean, casserole. Yeah, yeah. Was a special Eat this. Food. I don't want it. <laughs> uh, anyway. So I guess that, that brings me a little bit to the enjoyment factor of worship should we is because you said it's it's not for us it's not about filling us up even though it does in a way is it something that's supposed to be enjoyable or put your preferences aside this is just what we do and you're gonna like it no i like something c.s lewis said and he didn't say it about worship but i think he said it about an underlying principle that this is an extension of Mm -hmm. and it was in relation to happiness and he said, when you spend your life in pursuit of happiness, you rarely find it. Mm. But when you spend your life in pursuit of God, you find him and happiness is often thrown into boot. And that's his language, often thrown into boot. I, I just kind of love that, like <clears throat> 1950s way northern. of putting it. He was but very northern. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something very similar in worship with that. If your purpose in going to worship is to feel good, to be happy to get some kind of emotional hit or fix or whatever it might be out of it. You can, but like any drug, it's not going to last. And you're always going to have to find something that ups the game. And you see this happen a lot in churches, especially the the most amazing churches with the most incredible production. You can't keep outdoing yourself. And so for some, for for, for most people at some level, it's always going to hit a point of boredom. Because it becomes familiar and you just can't keep upping the ante. It's like a heroin addict trying to get that bigger and bigger hit every time to relive that, you know, we, we, we habituate. But if your purpose in going to worship is really nothing to do with that, it's to go, I'm here to ascribe glory to God today, to pay allegiance to God today, to show my gratitude to God today. What I find if that becomes the main focus, not always, but often joy, happiness, feeling good, or, or, or feeling moved often mm-hmm. becomes a natural byproduct. And quite honestly, for me, and uh, uh, this is actually a strange difficulty for me at times. Sometimes I find that my deepest moments of, moments of worship are when like the band and the production sucks the most because I have to actually mentally flip a switch to go, I actually have to commit myself to worship here today. I have to force myself to raise my hands when I don't want to raise my hands, to sing louder, even though this is droning on and there's like like, like, like a melody that that, that, that is completely unfollower, followable from like so, some dude that's like totally like tone deaf. You, you know, we've all been. I mean, there's. I mean, I was leading this last there's week. There's nothing worse than this. <laughs> I know, right? No, no, no. <laughs> this last week this for last, Dave was like the I best mean, worship experience ever. <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. And when you find you can put yourself in that place and you drown out everyone else mm-hmm. and you stop worrying about how bad the bads, how bad the band sucks, or how uncomfortable the chairs are, or how long and boring this is going on, or how flat the language is, or how not into it I am. And you just go, God, I am just, here it is, you know, and you pour it out. Man, sometimes I think that has more value and, yeah. and more positive benefit and more result, which kind of really does suck for both of you sitting here, because, I mean, I, and I'm not saying this to, like, blow smoke up your rear, but you guys are phenomenal worship leaders, what you've done for the production value of worship and creating a naturally conducive and joy-filled, powerful environment is, is, is incredible, guys. I mean, it, it's second to none. And yet the danger of it is it can lull all of us to sleep because you dish it up so easily that we can take it for granted mm-hmm. and start to put the onus on you to create worship for us 
rather than taking our own responsibility to give praise and glory to God, regardless mm -hmm. of what songs you're singing or how in key you are or how well the lights are synced or the mood is set or, or the prayers kind of like swell at the right moment or the key changes happen to kind of invoke, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, and not only that, but like, so we went to, well, I think both of you know this. We went to Zach Williams and We the Kingdom. and Yeah, yeah, you mentioned that a couple weeks ago, right? And it, and it was great. But at the same time, the danger, because, because I know so much about what's going on, to put that on, what's going on behind the scenes, the production, the what's happening with the musicians, if there's an issue, that's where my mind is. Yeah. And it's horrible because yeah. I can't just go there and participate in worship without being somewhat judgmental even. You know, where it's like, ah, I wouldn't have done it that way. Well, guess what, Steve? It's not up to you because this isn't your deal. Why don't you just listen and sing with them? And then some people will be like, well, how come, you know, you like you sing every Sunday and lead us in, in, in this time of music and, and worship and whatnot. But if you go to a concert, you sit there. You don't even, you're not raising a hand but like you would normally do on you're a Sunday. A you're not singing. You're not doing... Well, no, because I'm, my mind is like, I'm learning for one, because I always like the opportunity to learn. And I don't have that opportunity a lot because I'm at FOF every Sunday. Mm -hmm. And so I look for those key, key times to learn. But at the same time, I feel a little bit robbed, you know, like mm -hmm. if I could only get out of my own head sometimes and stop trying to learn about these things and just be in the moment of what God is doing within that within that atmosphere, I guess, it's just, it's frustrating sometimes. And it's like, and so how does God meet me in this place? Because if I've come to this place and how does he mature me through this mm -hmm. as opposed to going, Oh, why did I get into this and trying right. to regress right. going, okay, here's the next challenge for this level. Yeah. What I find yeah. is, is that for, for me, the, the most intimate yeah, times. Um, so, you know, I, I've done every job, literally. Every I job. think you literally have, I think you've been like, like on Wicked Tuna. Right. I, think you've been <laughs> I mean, seriously, it wouldn't surprise me. Micro. Steve. It would, would not yeah, surprise yeah. me. Um, but I, I, I sold the windows at one point. Here's a crazy story. So this, this car that I had was a Ford uh, probe. Remember the Ford yeah, probe? Yeah, I do remember right. the Ford probe. Yeah, 94. Not a good name. It, it, oh, no. no. It's just like, <laughs> no. you know. But the yeah. thing like barely got over 55 <laughs> right. because if right. you did get it over 55, the wheels are going to fall off. Anyway, so I'm going out and I'm selling these high dollar windows. I mean, I'm a, a double hung window, which is probably $1,100. So a farmer to redo his whole house is going to spend $40,000, yeah. which was not a, a rarity for me. So anyway, I'm going out, rule at rule, uh, 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 Nebraska and snowstorm. And this guy's really wanted me to come. And I'm like, Hey, do you, do you still want me to come? Because it's pretty bad out there. Oh yeah. Just come, just come on out. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? It's windows, you yeah. know, like how, how big of a priority. So I'm going out there and this is by far off topic, but I'll get back to it. <laughs> <laughs> the parable has a point. Yes. <laughs> so I'm out in the middle of nowhere, snowstorm, and I happen to get stuck and I can't see anything for, well, there's nothing out there. Yeah. You know, it's wide open field. So it's, it's so cold that I, I can't get out. My car's only going to last for so long as far as gas to keep me warm. I call Barbie and I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't exactly know where I'm even at. Cause this was before GPS smartphones, you know, that type of stuff. Right. And so I'm praying, get off the phone with her and from the corner. And so everything in Nebraska is on a grid. So it's not like around here where there's a lot of diagonal hill roads, that type of stuff. Streets, right? Everything right. is on a grid. So if any, if something's coming at you from a diagonal, I don't really know what it is. But it's two giant lights that are getting closer and closer and closer to me. And I I call, I get back you're on like, the phone with... Jesus, is that you? <laughs> I get back on the phone with Barbie. I'm like, you're, I don't know what's coming at me right now. <laughs> but just stay on the phone with me, okay? So all of a sudden, this giant... Well, it was a forklift, a giant forklift <laughs> comes like and it, something that like lifts tractors is what I'm imagining here in Scotland. Sure. Yeah. Scale. Probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it comes around the back of my vehicle. It puts its forks underneath my vehicle and I'm like, you are not going to believe what's <laughs> happening to me right now. 
And so anyway, the forks under the vehicle lifts me up, tilts me back a little bit because, you know, you don't want to drop it. Yeah. I used to, again, I was in the Navy. I, that's what I did for in the Navy. I was, I was uh, trained to go up to a 60 K forklift. basically. Okay. So I know what's going on. I just don't know where it came from. And then he proceeds to back me out. We drive about a mile down the road. Up on the lift the whole up time. Up on the lift, yeah. you know, bouncing a yeah, little bit. Yeah, sure, sure. And, he and dropped, by the way, he didn't like get out of the car and introduce himself or anything. Nothing. Yeah, you're just, <laughs> he you're drops just me, for a ride. puts yeah. me on the road, drops me down, he takes off. <laughs> That's it. And I'm thinking, how is that? That had to have been like God's angel coming out and being like, you know what? I drive forklifts too. <laughs> you know? So anyway, I'm okay. And I got home and I'm like, you, and I'm... I still get excited about this because yeah, I still yeah. just can't even believe that it happened. And Barbie's like, you've got to be kidding me. But anyway, I got home safely and here I am. And went out. now, point being to this is that I used to drive a lot of late nights because my appointments would be about three hours away from my home. Well, that means that I'm driving at midnight, one o'clock at night just mm -hmm. to get home. Some of the best times of, of closeness and worship to God was when, like, let's say Sweetly Broken comes on. And you're just driving by yourself and these, the imagery and the lyrics from the, from the song draw you into this moment where you're just sharing with God. It's, it's meditation. It really is. And it's, and to me, like that's some of the most important and closest times that I've been with God, which I, I would consider worship. So, and, and something I like about your story too, I mean, I think it really sets up a good analogy for what worship is. Going back to that original question, because you experienced something so crazy, but in a good way, mm -hmm. right? So unexpected, so surprising. It's not like you've never seen a forklift before. It's not like you've never been. A, but I mean, this doesn't happen. You've experienced this rescue, if you will, in the strangest of means. What, how do you respond to that? I and mean, you're still telling the story now, right? Because it's moved you and you're telling the story because you're almost like gushing on whoever it is that did this and, and how, look what he or she did for you. This is kind of what worship is. Right. We want to express back. We want to give back. We want to like tell the story. And I don't just mean evangelism, though that's certainly an expression of worship, mm. but just, God, you're amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're not going to believe what happened. Like, like. Now this on, is what worship is, expressing glory and honor. Yeah. Now, now, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll try and look for confirmation like, or try and uh, rationalize. So what do I do? I, I go back out there at a later date <laughs> to say, where? <laughs> if did, you went back right away, man. That, that <laughs> where does this, <laughs> where did this yeah, thing yeah. come from? Because there's no buildings out here. Right. So how far did, he, did that forklift have to travel? And how, how did they even know me? All of it. Right. right. Where you were, yeah crazy yeah that's wild yeah that is wild yeah there's probably a probe joke in there someplace out in nebraska <laughs> with a farmer i mean but I anyway know. i can always place an in but that's what you probe. were driving yeah right so. right <laughs> hey let me give a shout out here just really quick this is uh questions you never thought you could ask in church and uh while today we are focusing on questions that we've been receiving around the topic of worship we invite you to text in any question you have to 815-314-0363. Again, 815-314-0363. Any questions on God, theology, the Bible, Christianity, comparative religions, its intersection with life, morality, you name it. Um, that's what this is about. No question is too out of bounds. We, we don't believe that questions should be buried down. We want you to ask, and we think God wants you to ask. And we think a path of spiritual formation happens when we ask and honestly wrestle with the questions we have about God. You could join us at 216 the net as well if you're not already. Um, with this uh, this podcast goes live 12:30 Central Time every Wednesday, um, or Fellowship of Faith. You can catch past recordings there. Though our, uh, our our past episodes, we're having issue with our podcast provider. They will be up soon, so give us a little patience Hopefully if soon, you can't yes. see the past couple of weeks. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I've I've got a I've got a question, uh, Dave. You're pretty well traveled. Uh, I've never been out of the United States. I know you have. Um, maybe Canada when I was a kid, but does that count? Yeah, does that really count? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> and and you've been a pastor at Fellowship of Faith for eighteen years. Yeah. Um, have you have you partaken in uh, like a, a Buddhist worship or any other type of worship? Um, and was it same? Was it similar? Or, or, you know. Um, or, Let me. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be careful with the word. Have I partaken? 
because uh, that can imply uh, a number of different things there. So let me use the word, have I experienced, yeah, there you if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. And, and yeah, I've had the chance to experience um, worship in a variety of Hindu settings. I've had uh, experience to, uh, the chance to experience uh, Muslim mm. um, settings, Jewish settings, um, pagan settings, actually. And, um, you know, of course, within these, there don't think of any of those as monolithic. It's like, have you ever experienced Christian worship? Right. Well, there's a lot of sub varieties of that as well. Um, so that's kind of a short answer. Yes. Okay. To you, Ken. Yeah. And uh, how did it leave you feeling? Uh, in a variety of ways. Um, I can't give a single answer to okay. that. Um, sometimes bored, sometimes uncomfortable, sometimes sad, sometimes caught up in the emotion of it. Okay. So sometimes finding it compelling, sometimes experiencing and going, geez, why don't we do this? Mm -hmm. This is awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, so really uh, full spectrum. Neat. Thanks. Yeah. Steve, you? Um, yeah. So in my early days, probably when I just moved out of the house, um, was not doing well, was, you know, on some drugs and, and whatnot, not living the best life. <laughs> uh, but was interested in always knowing that I, I was a Christian. So, so I never had the, the thought of, well, I may be changing, you know, depending on what I find out there, but I did, I was kind of fascinated with other religions and, and why they did certain things. And so really observing, Mm -hmm. So experiencing, observing, I would say, not participating. And, and one of them was a, a pagan, like Wiccan, mm -hmm. uh, drum circles. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a drummer. I love playing drums. So the beats that they were doing and it's amazing. Were, were fascinating or can be. Yeah. Um, but again, I think probably during that time, probably more sadness for them. Um, it was interesting, but it felt very empty. Like, mm, I don't know how far you can go before this disproves itself, you know, meaning like you, you really can't take it to the full end and say, actually, yeah, this is legit. And these are real gods or, or something that they're worshiping here. Um, so there's that piece of it. Uganda, Andrew and I are both part of the Hope Center Uganda and which is a children's home over there. Um, I've been able to experience a, a couple different, different things. One is, um, how real uh, witchcraft and spells, demonic possession, um, prosperity gospel type things where, mm. hey, you know, if you do this, you'll get this. Which is the same sacrificial myth. Totally. And, and you would think that by now, because of the situation that Uganda is, is in and kind of has always been in, and I don't see him getting out of that anytime soon, is if the prosperity gospel was real where's your prosperity, you know? Mm -hmm. So where are the material or, or those things that, well, if you, if you just do this, you'll get this. And it's like, well, you're not getting into this. So how are these churches even still existing? I don't know, because right. that would be a very hard push or sell to say, well, yeah, this prosperity gospel thing really works. Well, no, it, it doesn't work, you know? So, but uh, in the hands of a master manipulator absolutely. and communicator, yep. and, and many times right. it is even sincerely done. Yep. Um, so, so I don't want to make this sound like it's all con game, but it is easy to always push the blame and onus back on you. If I only had done more, right. if I only had done yeah. this with that constant pursuit, yeah. you just have, I think that's our natural tendency that makes sense in our brains of like, I, I, I get what I deserve. So if I'm not getting what I want, then clearly I'm not doing something. Yeah. And of course, it. and there's a, a common sense wisdom to it. Right. Exactly. Because this is how life not always functions, but tends to function. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I think going back to that, you both kind of mentioned an, an emotional state that you've had, you know, during worship, during some of these other services and things that you've gone to, what place do emotions play or can emotions play in, in worship? Cause I think in, in my experience, Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not to be trusted. Sometimes it's, it is that manipulative moment. Sometimes it is, I mean, you can manufacture emotions mm -hmm. from the stage as a worship leader, or as a tech person, I can, I can manipulate emotions while I'm doing my job. So it's, 
you know, can that be taken too far and how can that be, you know, I think, misused or, or used well and supported well? It's kind of, that was a, that was like 10 questions. There was like 10 questions. In one. And we have five minutes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, wrap up. Uh, I think you're a holistic being. Mm-hmm. People are holistic. They have minds, they have souls, they have emotions, right? They have physicality, they have spirit, you know, all of these kinds of things. And to, I think, bifurcate the person is automatically starting from the wrong premise. So at some level, I think worship should involve all of you and engage all of you. But just like you can manipulate an emotion, you can also manipulate a memory. You can manipulate a thought. You can manipulate reason. So so the solution is not to jettison or avoid something as though the other is pure and untouched. You can manipulate anything in the human experience, which I think puts a lot of responsibility upon those who are leading others to make sure that they are not in any way whatsoever manipulating human beings. And that doesn't mean you can't get excited about something. That's not, that's different than manipulation, mm-hmm. right? Getting excited about something and letting someone share in your emotion with you is not manipulation. Yeah. But if you start to attribute that emotional state to the Holy spirit or to God, or to say that it's required or that make it your litmus test of whether worship is valid or good today or not. That's, I think, where the problems set in. But if you simply go, wow, I really enjoyed it today. And that was, that really impacted me. And that really inspired me. What a gift of God. But if it didn't, that doesn't mean it failed. Mm. Yeah. Because that is not the point. That is a byproduct. So you take it when you get it. But yeah. Yeah, I would <clears throat> I would also say that God has given us all those things, thought, reason, emotions. I don't think there's anything wrong with being emotional in if 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 it's a natural response. Now if it's drummed up because of some intent to show someone, well look how emotional I get during worship or look at me I raise my hands or look at me I close my eyes. Well, if it's for others to see, well, then why are you doing it? Yeah. And Jesus even has the harshest <laughs> words to say about that in Matthew chapter five and six in the Sermon on the Mount, where, you know, he condemns the Pharisees who want to be seen by all by their showy prayers. And he's like, I tell you, you've received your reward. Before. You know, that psh, this, this is hypocrisy yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, w- I would also say, like, if you're using your emotions to get something out of it, like, you know how you can you can get probably sometimes where you really want to feel something. And mm-hmm. so you'll you'll drum up those, those emotions to really, well, this really makes me melancholy. And I love this song because it really produces this in me, but I'm not there, but I know that I, I should be there. So I'm going to drum up these emotions so that I can feel like I'm, I'm doing something. And it's like, well, that's not really legit either, you know? So, um, it's all, that's always a tricky slope to, to kind of be on where if you find yourself judging someone else, Again, take out the log in your own eye before you start to remove the splinter from your brother's eye. Like, why are you even paying attention to that person at that mm-hmm. point? What are you, where, where's your heart at? Get in your where's own your head space at? with God, not, you know? yeah, a critique of yeah. how others are responding. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. yeah. You know, with, uh, what do we got here, Kent? About 90 seconds left, yeah. give or take. Uh, I think what I'd like to do is maybe just give a little bit of closure to the topic, at least for today. We certainly welcome your questions on worship going forward. And if you send some in today and we can get to them, we certainly will in the future. That's 815-314-0363. But let's kind of cut through all the philosophy of it for a minute. And I'd like to just put this out to our listeners today. God is inviting you to worship him. You don't have to overthink it beyond that. Mm -hmm. And my biggest encouragement to you is to get, to put yourself in situations and start practicing a worshipful response to God. Give your life as a living sacrifice, but also codify that in in local expressions with a local church community, um, with people gathered in your living room or wherever it happens to be, and do it regularly. Um, What what strikes me about the early church, it wasn't once a week. Why do we think once a week and we don't feel guilty more? I mean, it says seven times a day, I praise you, right out of the Psalms, right? Why don't you feel guilty about that? No, no, just make your life a spiritual act of worship and certainly that includes the expressions of what we think of worship in a local form. So, so find a place, do it, get into it. We want to thank you, our listeners, for uh, tuning in today. This is uh, questions you never thought you could ask in church. We broadcast 
every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. Central, right here at 21.6 The Net. You can catch us on Facebook there or at Fellowship of Faith. Past episodes, um, and they continue to come out regularly as our podcast provider uh, um, um, works with us yes. um, at fellowshipoffaith.org. Kent, we got a final? Yeah, I was going to say, if you want to check out worship, uh, tune in to 21.6 The Net on, on Sunday morning. Right? Yeah, 10 a.m. At 10 a.m. Central. Central. Or go to uh, just go to foffellowshipoffaith.org, uh, and uh, you can catch it live there. And yeah. one, one more brilliant. thing, shout out to Ashley and Raphael for joining us. Yeah, yeah, hardcore, hardcore. Good to have you here. Question. Yeah. Question.